Welcome to Revive Mercy Podcast. Today on Robert's Corner, we are continuing our journey through and after COVID-19 regarding mental health recovery. This is the last day of Mental Health Month, and it is a reminder of how far we have come and how much more we are still striving for in the future for our mental health awareness. Today, I'm joined with Caroline, a friend I met quite recently. She'll be moving towards my neck of the woods, and I'm excited she's actually working towards the same field that we're talking about today. Since then, she helped me with a recent um, um, episode, the compilation that I did in honor of Mental Health Month uh, that came out and it was uploaded last Tuesday. Welcome, Caroline, and thank you for being a guest today. Thank you, Robert, so much for having me here. Caroline, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself before we kind of get into it all? Absolutely. So um, I am actually a master's clinical mental health counseling student, and I am graduating soon. I've been working for a counseling agency in Michigan for about two years now. So I have a really big passion for helping others and for psychology and just learning more about the mind and human connection. Thank you so much. Um, I always like to start out, especially with Robert's Corner, with a disclaimer. If you are in crisis, please seek medical attention. Um, I also like to start each episode with a quote. This quote reads, give yourself time to heal from a challenge you've been dealt. Letting go of hurt doesn't happen overnight. It happens in slow, small steps forward, plus a few steps backwards at times. Be gentle and patient with yourself. Karen Solomson. Pain and being hurt emotionally is inevitable. Mental health challenges as a As a peer myself, was never just one form of treatment that I kind of relied on. It was a combination of several working holistically in one's life. COVID-19 felt familiar in one avenue for me in respects to my mental health was the amount of uncertainty I was burdened for a very long time. Finding time that you give yourself to heal is vital in one's recovery from my experience. It's not where you are at today, but more about where you're going that matters. Piecing back value was essential to my recovery, especially just finding meaning. You know, you know, listening to this quote, Caroline, I'm just and you're and judging by your own experience, how do you read this quote? personally and professionally today, why is it important and why is it important, especially today with COVID-19 still looming amongst us? Mm -hmm. Well, that quote, it reminds me so much of the essence of therapy and healing. It's Mm -hmm. a great quote. And it reminds me of that not only in my life, but in the lives of the people I've encountered as a counselor. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes when we're confronted with pain, We want it to go away immediately. We want the problems to be solved right away, but our brains and our bodies, they just don't work that way. And healing is not exactly instantaneous. Yeah. You know, we see that even, let's say, if I were to scrape my knee 
or bruise my leg, right? Even our outer wounds on our bodies take the proper treatment and time to heal. And mm -hmm. the same can be implied to our inner wounds or whatever we're gutted with. So yes. Patience and persistence and even gentleness, as Karen mentioned, um, can be really fundamental. You know, there's a professor of mine who would often tell us that we are our worst critics. And yeah. we truly are. Some of us say things to ourselves that we probably wouldn't dream of saying to a loved one. And mm -hmm. saying harsh things to ourselves is especially true when we're faced with challenges we can't seem to overcome right away. It's easy to point the target at ourselves for quote unquote, not getting anything right or not being able to let go and move on. So I, yes. yeah. So I like reminding myself and my clients to be kind to yourself and to remember that you're only human. Healing will come. Life is a journey and the growing and learning, it never ends. And yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I really like what you're saying. You know, I don't know if you read the book. Um, it's called The Lies We Believe. Did you read that book? I have not read that, but I have heard of it. Yes. Uh, one of the things that, you know, kind of complements what you're saying is our value does not hinge on being 100% all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you see a lot of people and we're talking about mental health, but we're talking about mental wellness in general. And, you know, right now everyone's looming with this COVID-19. And one thing, especially seeing my sister-in-law, seeing my mom, my mom's South Korean, by the way. Mm -hmm. And um, there's always this pressure to be right the first time. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, the idea of not being wrong. And if you're wrong, your value is less. And for me, I don't find that fundamentally healing. It doesn't provide room for healing because we are going to make mistakes. I made plenty of mistakes in my life. And um, I'm sure you have too. We, we learn from our failures more than from our successes, you know. And mm -hmm. um, it's something that's fundamentally, I feel has helped me and uh, especially yeah. moving forward. And one thing I liked also, you mentioned the idea of um, providing room and gentleness. I also want to mm -hmm. add being up here myself and seeing the other side of the scope, being the ones going into hospitals, maybe even getting close to getting Baker Act or being Baker Acted at times and struggling really bad. And uh, I just remember, mm -hmm. There is a different attitude because the people don't see when it comes to mental health. They don't see the like injury or right. the symptom themselves. So yeah. I equate it to like my bone sticking out of my leg. Like if if that's the case, that's in crisis situation. Like mm -hmm. I said, if you have a crisis situation, you need to seek medical attention. There's no point of this kind of saying, "How does that feel?" It feel I, I feel horrible, right. you know. Right. I need to get treatment at that point. So I go to the hospital. Now I get my med medicines man management. I get a treatment plan. Now I'm back home. Now the problem with mental health sometimes, especially being up here, is that same intensity of, of is is still the, is covered with the support that I'm surrounded by. Mm -hmm. They continue to think, because they can't see it, they're like, my bone's sticking out. But... Mm -hmm. The day-to-day, -day, it's not sustainable to have that level of intensity. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things being up here was my family or my people, my people close to me asking me each day, how do you feel? And you know, with medical medicine, um, so, um, 
psychiatric medicines, they don't, they don't always stick. Yeah. You know, I would say yeah. medium resistance. I finally found a treatment that works and I'm, I've been able to lower my medication quite drastically from when I first came down to Florida. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the yeah. same time, um, when you have, when, when you're in the thick of it and day to day, your parents or your loved ones say, how are you feeling? And you, you I, at one point I didn't, I had, I want to lie. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to say mm -hmm. that I'm not feeling well. And that's a lot of pressure. And yeah. seeing that the value goes all the way down at the same time, it, it's counterintuitive because then mm -hmm. my value is only hinges if I'm not sick. Right. And that, and then you get attached to the label of that diagnosis, which wasn't its intent, intent in the beginning. The diagnosis, DSMV or, or whatever it's called, um, it's really just helping people like counselors yourself and um, people who prescribe medicine an avenue of how what treatment plans they could have to, mm. to help the individual that's it yeah and for but um yeah, i don't know and, for me mm -hmm. it's, go ahead do you have anything to share on that well just hearing what, what you had to say also reminded me that you know um based on our feelings what we feel and the symptoms that we're experiencing it doesn't define who we are or our worth yeah. That's mm -hmm. important to to tell ourselves as well, because we easily we easily connect our feelings to who we are as people and to how we see ourselves, and that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is very true. And this, I remember I had a guest, um, a podcast guest. Her name was Morgan. Uh, she helps. She works with um, those recovering from substance abuse, and I know this month is. Mental health, but a lot of them you can't you can't strip them apart. Like you can't strip mental health and and physical health apart, and that's basically one of the mm -hmm. challenges um, yeah. because you need to, them to work together. Yeah, I remember telling an individual like, if I have no value for myself, and I I would rather, dare I say, if I if I died a week later, that would be a relief. If that was my mindset, you know, there's people like that, and I felt that way. How likely would I care about my health at that point? Mm -hmm. My physical health. How how would how likely would I go out and jog or eat right? That will contribute to my or my overall health because mm -hmm. both work together. Yeah. If I'm not taking care of myself, am I eating on odd hours? If I'm not sleeping well, it's going to contribute to my mental health and vice versa. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah. So when it comes to um, you know. Um, you know, the idea of, um, um, you know, um, meaning and um, all this stuff, this Morgan, going back to Morgan, she said, you know, it was not sustainable for her to say, I'm not going to have a drink each day. It mm -hmm. was just not. If all her, all her existence, I know in the beginning, it's a band-aid to be like, you're trying to and you work with, uh, you know, AA or, you know, um, uh, substance abuse counselor or whatever to help you. But... It can't, from my experience, it can't just be not doing things or I should not do things. And that goes with everything. If everything is what I should not do, it's not sustainable. There has to be something that fills in, that provides meaning. Yeah. You know, when I'm in the church. Um, you know, I, I do not proselytize in my podcast, but at the same time, I do. That's part of my story is my faith. And mm -hmm. the idea is that um, 
finding meaning, you know, finding something, you know, that I could serve. Service to me, um, Caroline, became my recovery. Mm-hmm. Helping mm-hmm. people became my healing. That was it. You know, honestly, fundamentally, I was not a person really prone to going to church or faith at all because really it wasn't about the faith or the things in the Bible or anything like that. It was really the relationships and the people I've met who put me off. That was it. It was never about a certain, it was all about relationships and connections and relationships is so huge as we see right now with COVID-19. And um, I want to kind of shift gears uh, if that's okay to, you know, what have you seen with among the clients that you know you've seen or in, in the area of mental health that has worked for clients when it regards to their mental health treatment and what has not mm-hmm. you know we talked about i kind of pointed the idea of guilt and shame and i mm-hmm. i will talk about uh, there's very different having guilt is kind of uh, from my experience it's just i feel bad i did something wrong mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah shame is like i feel bad i did something wrong now i'm less of a person exactly but, yeah, that is the oh. difference between guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. So anything you want to add or uh, well, well, say about what have you seen that has worked for people mm-hmm. that you've seen, um, both personally and professionally, and what has not worked when it regards to mental health and mm-hmm. wellness, mental wellness? Yeah, well, you know, not, not every client is the same. And the issues can vary from client to client. And therapy, it doesn't have a one-size-fits-all approach. So, you know, you mentioned service and how that helped you and and how that was positive for your recovery. And But what what might work for one client may not Mm -hmm. have the same effect for the other. But Mm -hmm. the beauty of human connection is that although everyone is unique in their own way, people also share similarities that unite them. All of my clients have different stories, except a lot of the themes might be the same. And that can bring a sense of hope to someone who's suffering because it lets them know that they're not alone. And I've seen this happen a lot in group therapy Mm -hmm. where it's comforting to know that, okay, there's someone out here who knows what I'm going through and they understand and can relate to me. It's, you know, that's very important, though. I've been a facilitator for a NAMI peer-to-peer connections group for several years now. I'm now on the board in the chapters in my area. And the thing is, one thing I keep hearing, and I remember myself realizing is, one of the most healing thing is being heard. Yeah. That's it. You know, I know being a leader in church, you know, you know I, a lot of people have a lot of opinions and they come from different backgrounds, you know. And one thing I learned real quick, because you're dealing with people, is being right doesn't solve 99% of the problems. Yeah. Being right is the least of the concern, is continuing the dialogue. You know, I've dealt with people in my life who are not here because uh, they, because of mental health, because of they, they committed suicide. Or I don't like using committed, they uh, completed suicide, as they try to say, because the idea is recognizing that um, willingness has always seemed like so little, but willingness are one, sometimes the biggest, the biggest small steps someone can take. Willingness to get help. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's a big step. Willingness to get treatment. Now, that is so huge. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, you know, uh, 
and Nami, one of the things, you know, we go through this principle support one before we start each group. And one of the, there's two principles that I really like. One of them is we never look at someone's problem as less than our own. You know, yeah. during this COVID-19, you notice that it's really humbling. You know, you may think you're going through a lot, but then you see other stories that are much arguably worse than yours. And then you see other people are doing better than you. The thing, the point is you shouldn't be, from my, my experience, it doesn't help to look at both sides yeah. in, that, in that regard. The idea of gratitude in someone's recovery is huge. Yeah. The idea of forgiving yourself. You know, you talked about before when you first were mentioning, mm-hmm. forgiving ourselves is one of the fundamental things that we always overlook. You know, there's always there's a lot of self-blame, self you know, mm-hmm. so we're so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. so much, yeah. and because we have such a standard, because we we want to know, we want to feel that we have some sort of control, and you know, you know, being in, uh, being around people who 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 are not here, and being mm-hmm. on being near people who are gonna die in a week, or who have Parkinson's disease, who arguably are really hard to communicate. And being around those families that come at that point, mm-hmm. right before someone dies, one thing I notice is that they never talk about their the, the job or title they had. Mm-hmm. They never talk about their house, or if they talk about the places or even their house, it's about someone being there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Any trip they go to, it's about the time they spend, they share mm-hmm. with that person. So I find that you know when it comes to um, that it kind of makes me see that gratitude and forgiving ourselves and forgiving others is huge in recovery, especially yeah. in my well, my experience. Um, I, I want to kind of ask you, you know, we're talking about COVID-19, you mm-hmm. know, this, what's looming. What yeah. have you seen that was both negative? Obviously, I think a lot of people could name a lot that are negative with COVID-19, but also positive in regards to mental health and its communities Mm -hmm. yeah so you know unfortunately for me when COVID-19 started I thought a lot about the negatives and Mm -hmm. my mind just went there because of the population I was working with at the time I couldn't see them through telehealth or through an online platform so Mm -hmm. I grew very concerned and it was a hard shift for me from attending to people one-on-one and Mm -hmm. then to not being able to provide that comfort or um, that help anymore and it was yeah it was just disheartening for me and i just started thinking about the vulnerable population who maybe no longer have the same resources available to them and thinking about people being quarantined at home, you know, stay home. I also thought about the people who are stuck in toxic or violent homes. They don't have safe avenues to turn to anymore. They can't go to school to, you know, Mm -hmm. um, separate themselves from that reality or go to work. So, and there's also so much loss that we see and uncertainty. People don't know the future or they're going through trying times right now in possibility of losing their jobs or what they've worked for. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but people 
who are who are very dear to my heart have talked to me about some of the positives that they are experiencing, and it also helped me to reflect on the positives that I've seen in my own life, which is, you know, people are winding down, busy lifestyles are at a pause for some people.、Um, family time. Is probably has increased, you know, being able to talk to people that you haven't had the chance of talking to as much before through FaceTime or through Zoom, picking up a new hobby or、yeah. reassessing your life. Right, you、yeah. have the time to sit down, and now you're like, what? What do I want? What are my goals? You know? Yes, and who do I want to be? So there,、yeah. there are so many positives too, with everything going on, and it's beautiful to be able to take your mind there as well. What's the best possible outcome of this for me and for my life? Yeah, it's it's one of the things that you know. That's why you know the idea of just being busy to be busy and not、mm-hmm. um, confronting what is.、Um, Can can make、uh, a big stumbling block, especially during this situation, because you're 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 forced to slow down. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're forced to go to, you know,、um, there's this idea of escapism. You know,、mm-hmm. we get complacent. We we're we we love those long drives to work because we're away.、Um, we'll never admit it、uh, that it's not that we don't love our family, but there's. There's certain things, especially you know, I had to realize you、mm-hmm. know, humbling myself, you know,、mm-hmm. um, making big decisions, you know,、um, and being unapologetic but loving.、Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, you know,、yeah. if we if we're always tiptoeing, when you find you know, you know, I'm getting married this year. When you find that person that you can have pie in the face, and it feels still feels safe with that person. <laughs>、mm-hmm. That I think that's great. I remember this one line.、Uh, I, I I always remember it's from um, it's from um Bob Marley of all people. It's a quote. He says, "Truth is, everybody's gonna hurt you. You just gotta find the one who's worth suffering for." <laughs> I thought it's hilarious. Yeah. Thing, it's funny, but like it's kind of true in his own way. You know, I listen. Um, I just like the idea of honesty. The、right. idea that I'm gonna make a mistake. You know, yeah, you know the idea of perfection, the idea that control is really like, like I say this all the time in my groups and even in my podcast that at a drop of a dime, the whole world stopped for something we came and see. Yeah, yeah.、Wow. it's very different because in nine eleven, I was in the military. I was young. I was eighteen、mm. at the time, and eighteen、uh, or nineteen,、um, I was already in. I went in two thousand、um, Air Force, U.S. Air Force, and.、Um, I remember、um, seeing that, but even that, as big as that was, it felt kind of localized. And people, I know some people, are like, well, it affected everyone. I know it did, but what I mean by effect, you know, it's easy to feel. I'm not saying this in a, a disparaging way, but、mm-hmm. if I hear something that's sad that happened in, let's say, some other country, like you know, let's say in France when they had that whole. Shooting on a years back,、yeah. something like that. It's sad.、Mm-hmm. It is sad. We, I feel, but when it affects the whole world globally, it, it does paint a very different picture. When you're, when you can't go and see your friends or family like you could normally, when you can't even go to the store, 
when you're your Friday nights, your Saturday, whatever you do in the weekend, mm-hmm. you're stuck at home. Yeah, it, it paints a very different picture, and it really makes us, it forces us to kind of see the party. I remember yeah. I people in my group and a support group because I do the I do facilitate the drop-in center in St. Augustine. I do uh, facilitate groups there, and I also do with NAMI. And I tell them the ones in um, that do virtual with me. I'm like, whatever you did it, as a coping skill before, at the very least, continue it. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are stuck watching the TV till four in the morning, <laughs> the news. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, you'll be the most informed sick person I know. <laughs> I joke about it. I try to make light of it, but the, it's true because the thing is, you know, um, we need our sleep. Yeah, that's fundamental. We need yeah. our sleep. Um, um, so yeah. coping skills, like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, we talk about, you know, I, I, I lost over a holistic and, um, way of, you know, like you said, everyone's, it's not a cookie cutter approach. You know, there's mm-hmm. everyone's, everyone's different. Yeah. Know? There's always a fundamental getting them integrated in the community. Yeah. Right? I remember when I did a, a panel discussion, when I was looking over the U.S. history about mental health, and one thing I found intriguing was a whole institutionalized, when they built all the state hospitals and the deinstitutionalized. So now they're trying to get the mental health community back into the community. Um, some things have worked. There's grassroots organizations like NAMI and DBSA and stuff like that that provide support groups and training for those. But at the same time, you know, filling those gaps and for making it custom for that individual. Um, I know, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I know we kind of, I kind of know we kind of answered that question, but what coping skills mm-hmm. that, that, that maybe have not been mentioned or you have seen or you want to reemphasize that you think was helpful or you've seen that as helpful during this COVID-19 mm-hmm. for yourself and people around you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I like to think of people as the experts of their own lives. And that sometimes they just need a little help getting to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for clients to come in and ask, you know, tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do I cope? <laughs> right? Yeah. But for it's but I found that it's much more profound when the client is an active member of the healing process. And yeah. developing coping skills and coping strategies is a perfect example of that. Many people benefit from learning how to cope with negative life circumstances like Mm -hmm. (laughs) COVID-19 or (laughs) addictions or emotional impulses and but learning to cope with those things in a healthy way. Like one of my coping strategies is to listen to like soothing instrumental music on my headphones when I'm feeling anxious or agitated. It calms my mind. Now, I could easily tell my client to do that. Right. If mm-hmm. if it works for me, it must work for them, too. <laughs> but that's not quite the case. So, no. yeah, if I were to do that, I could be preventing my client from developing their own coping strategies and taking control. Yeah. So what I like to do is, you know, sit down with someone and say, you know, what what have, what do you enjoy? What do you like doing? Or mm-hmm. can you think of a time in the past where you felt really anxious and something that worked out for you to help you calm down and it helps you to start thinking you know oh yeah there was that one time where I went for a walk and I felt so much better after that you know so um another thing too 
um, during this time is mindfulness, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mindfulness is so, so helpful because it helps you to be present in the moment, you know. If you feel like your yeah. mind is racing at a million miles per hour or you find yourself thinking of all the tax the tasks you need to get accomplished today, tomorrow, and so forth, or you kind of need help being pulled back into reality because your mind has wandered to a place of past her or all the nightmarish possibilities. <laughs> Practicing mindfulness, though, it's not a cure for all, of course, but it could really be helpful. And a common example of that that anyone can practice is called the 54321 grounding technique. Mm-hmm. And it's fairly simple and it also promotes sensory awareness. You know, out loud you say five things you can see, four things mm-hmm. you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell and one thing you can taste. And mm-hmm. that just kind of it it's an easy way of helping you pull back to where you are in the moment and um just to kind of being aware of your surroundings and things around you and it helps to not let your mind go into a little rabbit hole <laughs> of all the negative yeah. stuff that's causing you to feel anxious or nervous or restless. Uh that you know that's very interesting that you say that because I tell my fiance because I I have that racing thought. Mm-hmm. I do have it. Mm-hmm. And the best illustration I have is that it's like a faucet i i, I forget where the handle is mm-hmm. that's how bad it gets so yeah. like literally i i use for mindfulness i use that for a while but i also right. use progressive relaxation mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it does get fundamentally taxing at times and of course breathing simple yeah. breathing techniques definitely um i also do journaling i've mentioned that before i do journal because i have so much that gets built up mm-hmm. from my thoughts mm-hmm. and then, like obviously I have other symptoms but you know one of the things that um if it's not checked it'll affect it's funny like oh it's just racing thoughts you know just just calm down I'm like it's not that easy yeah. I have to go through a coping skills <laughs> and if I don't do it correctly if I don't if I just ignore it then it affects what my sleep I think I have very little sleep because I have these racing thoughts yeah your mind is still on mm-hmm. yeah my then I have this physical Uh, then it affects me physically which in turn affects me mentally and that's where it all connects mm-hmm. you know what I mean cuz so for me um it does help me to realize that yeah there are moments when I can't find the faucet to <laughs> my thoughts and the handle to my faucet and mm-hmm. it, it is it, it's the best illustration I can give it's not like mm-hmm. I've lost it completely but I know that sometimes I misplace it I know sometimes I need to have a little bit more structure especially when I I'm going about my day because of how my thoughts go. Now sometimes as silly as playing a video game sometimes help. Mm-hmm. I know it's like just just to refocus on something else mm-hmm. because sometimes at the end of the day I always tell myself and you know with my fiance is that everything doesn't need to happen today. Everything doesn't need to be solved today. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, everything yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like you know, like sometimes I get those things that I kind of go overboard. So yeah. those are fundamental things that has helped me as part of my coping skills. You know, there's a rap um wellness recovery action plan that people have used to help people kind of organize all those thoughts of having a mm-hmm. you know a way of having a case of plan if you are knowing some, you know, 
you know, recurring stressors or mm -hmm. certain things. So you know what to do in certain situations. Exactly. And I find it very, uh, I know that I find that very effective moving forward. So yeah. it's just one of those things that, you know, I feel for my peers, you know, especially, you know, um, the ones that are listening, those out there, the ones who help me in the, who facilitate groups with me, I find it fundamentally really helpful to kind of have a plan of action. At the same yeah. time, enjoy yourself. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to enjoy things. Sometimes we get so caught up in like mm -hmm. doing the right thing, being productive. You know, productive also in my mind, and as what I've read is not just your work life. Yeah. It's also your family life. And the people who are like, you have to include that in your productivity. If your only thing is to be productive in this, I remember almost burning myself out in the sense that I used to want to help people in my groups and some of them will call me in all hours of the day, like, and then they say, you know, and then I have to call um, a house check. I don't know, they have that, because honestly, what they've told me and what they didn't tell me and that they're not responding i had to have a cit officer go and check on him or her you know what i mean mm -hmm. because and sometimes they get big corrected and, and yeah they are um they are a safe place but how does that affect me that's why all of us play a part that's why mental health is not just one person not just me people it's it's everyone's uh, you know one thing that uh sebastian keep oh no you know sebastian keeps stealing from me <laughs> that um from mental health is like why should we care about mental health because we can't afford not to yeah we can't we just can't afford not to that's something yeah. that i feel very strongly about and i want to kind of last question really as we wrap up is mm -hmm. what would you like to see come out of this COVID 19 crisis after things you know somewhat get back to normal regarding mental health in our communities yeah, you know, I, I truly hope that there is a shift in the mental health care system where people are not waiting long weeks or months to be seen by a mental health care provider. I would like to see a positive uprise of awareness throughout the country as well. And hopefully we can reach the end of mental health stigma. And mm -hmm. I'd love to see more mental health programs, outreach projects, and services that can be easily accessible in our communities. You know, churches can open up and promote, promote support groups at little to no cost. Communities can have speakers communicate to the public about important mental health concerns that anyone could benefit from, especially on how to cope with the aftermath of COVID-19 or how to even deal with crisis situations. Yeah. Um. Any final thoughts, you know, as we wrap up, you know, I wanted to say again, thank you so much for being a guest. Um, thank you. Um, any final thoughts you wanted to share with the listeners? Yes. So since COVID-19 is out there, I, um, I would just want people to know that it was COVID-19 was not created by any one of us. <laughs> and <laughs> some of its consequences are mostly out of our control. So just keep in mind what you can control during this time, what you can't, and to accept what you can't control. This way, we can be kinder to ourselves and alleviate some of the pressure and burden that we place on ourselves. Also, if there's anyone suffering from trauma, 
constant anxiety, depression, or have any safety concerns, I would definitely recommend reaching out for help, seeking a mental health care pr practitioner to help you. There are a lot of resources out there. There's a crisis text line at 741-741. You can just text and say, hey, I need help. There's a lifeline for suicide, domestic violence, um, sexual assault, substance abuse. So, and if you have, if anyone has any questions or if they need more information, Robert, I'm sure they can probably reach out to you. And if you need my contact information, I'd be more than happy to help. Yeah, I was just, you know, all the all, all that you mentioned in, uh, mm -hmm. at, uh, after this episode ends, you know, you just send me, I know some of the, the numbers, but I'll put it in the notes. So the, for those who's listening, mm -hmm. they get, there'll be links to all this information and the numbers and the numbers corresponding to each helpline that is out there. Mm -hmm. thank, thank you again, Caroline, for being here and sharing with us. Uh, remember to check out Revive Ministry Podcast on the website for all new episodes at ReviveMinistryFL.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. This is goodbye from Revive Ministry Podcast. I will leave you with this quote. Healing may not be so much about getting better as about letting go of everything that isn't you. All the expectations, all the beliefs, all and becoming who you truly are. Rachel Naomi Remen.